Hello, my Harpeth Hills ladies. I'm so glad to be back with you again, sitting here in my office today and listening to one of my very favorite songs in the world. It's called Out of Hiding by Stephanie Gretzinger. Not even sure that I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but I would highly recommend you um, looking up and downloading anything that she sings. Uh, it's powerful songwriting. Uh, and lyrics, the music, all of it is beautiful. But this particular song is on my heart today and I wanted it playing in the background um, while I shared this with you today because it's the song that really uh, made me, that, that God put on my heart when I thought about this next podcast. Um, this podcast that is upcoming is the third part, finally. I know many of you have been waiting on it for a long time of the women's gathering that we had back in May. Um, this was the final interview, or I should say interviews of the night with Dory Hubbard and Betsy Hesselroad. And these two women were so incredibly brave that night. Um, what they shared of their stories, their journey, their experiences, their struggles um, was so powerful. I mean, we were all in tears and and again, just something, a conversation that uh, is not always had in churches and, and we're not always comfortable with, but they were willing to put themselves out there and be vulnerable and so real. And it was, it was one of the most powerful things that many of us have ever experienced. And I can personally say that the follow-up from that night has been huge. So many lives impacted. I know of women that were there that night that were able to begin the process of breaking free based on Betsy and Dory's testimonies and began meeting with these ladies. I know um, a share gathering has started here at church that meets once a month, the first Wednesday night of every month, that a safe place where people can come and, and talk through these things. It just, and, and then there's things that I don't even know about, I'm sure, that have fruit that has come from that night. But uh, again, as just I was reminded and what this song says is that it's okay to come out of hiding, to to be real and, and share obviously with the Lord, but also with each other, um, the things that make us us, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, because there's somebody out there that has a story too that may just go, yeah, me too, and the power of those two words and how we can um, walk so much more strongly when we walk with each other um, in the things that we face each day. So I don't want to say anything else because I want to get you right to them and what they shared that night. And um, and know it'll be a powerful thing for you to hear. But I guess I do want to end on this, that if anybody out there does listen to this and and you, it resonates and you say, hey, me too. And but I'm right still in the thick of it, and I need some help. Um, don't be scared to reach out. Betsy and Dory are ready with open arms for you to come and talk to them. I am ready for, with open arms to come and talk to me. There's a whole host of us. Uh, it doesn't really matter who you go to as long as you find somebody. Find somebody who cares, that sees you, that hears you. Um, don't walk it alone. We want to help. So, Father God, I just pray that um, 
you will be with everybody that listens to this podcast. I thank you for the courage of Betsy and Dory and others like them that are willing to share their journey and their their faith in you and how you have brought them through so much to continue to walk with them every step of the way. Um, Lord, I pray for those that are listening that uh, that this is their struggle too and that God, you would just remind them that they are not alone, that you love them so much and that God, you would lead them to talk to somebody that um, will walk with them and wrap their arms around them. God, thank you that we don't have to hide. Thank you that we can come out of hiding and run into your arms and know that we will be accepted there just as we are. Um, God, you're so good, and we love you so much, and we thank you for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm Betsy. Hi. Um, I've gone here since 2013. I'm married to Blake. I have um, two sons, Colin, who's eight, and Cameron, who is six. And he's been in some of y'all's kids' classes, yes. And um, they both have. Um, my mom is over here, Beverly. Give us a wave, Bev. Um, thanks for coming. She's the best. And <laughs> Okay, I'm Dory Hubbard. <laughs> and I know a lot of you, and some of y'all don't know me. Bless your heart. Just hang tight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I've gone here forever. My husband grew up here. So when we got married, we were trying to figure out where to go to church. And I said, well, I know where we're not going. We're not going to Harbor Hills because, you know, we're not doing the whole Hubbard get-together thing. And so here we are. And um, it, was a, it was a great move. Um, I love it here. Um, I have three children. I have a daughter that's 25 named McClellan. She is the bomb. I have... A son named Cole, who's 20. I'm sorry, y'all, but he's also the bomb. And uh, I have a daughter, Channy, who's 18. And yes, she is the bomb. Um, they're great kids, despite me. Um, I'm married to Stuart, who is probably the nicest guy, uh, right below Jesus, to have ever been put on earth. And it can be frustrating to be married to Jesus Jr. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, where are you going? Well, so-and-so's toilet stopped up. I'm like, yeah, but I need you to mulch. <laughs> well, no, but I'm going to go do, you know. So I ha- I'm, he's, he's a good guy, and I don't think I'm very nice. I guess that's why I gathered from this. Um, I met Betsy, uh, it's, been a, it's been a little while. Um, she and I will tell you a little bit about why we're here, but basically, I'll be 50 in a week, and... Not only with experience and a little age on me here, but um, we both have been through some things and have dealt with some things uh, that make us bond like that. Um, Jennifer was nice enough to, to give Betsy my phone number. Uh, Betsy, I think you texted me. Um, anyway, we... we it, was a, it was a cold text. It was a cold text. Very cold, very icy, chilly text. And um, I met her over here, and I promise you, within 30 seconds, I felt like I'd known her my whole life. Uh, I think what we're just going to talk to you about, and I'm going to let you go first, is just being real. There is no time for anything else. Um, I know because I've tried it. It did not work. Um, so I'm just going to let you start, and we'll just... We'll just do this thing. We'll just knock this out. Okay. 
I think they said we have until midnight, so. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is a lock-in, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Pillows, everybody. Yeah, we're going okay. to sleep here. Okay. No, for real. Um, so this is um, funny because I was thinking about this today. The last time that I spoke on this topic, um, I was literally driving home from work. I was coming over, uh, it, it's that road that's like three different things. Moore's Lane turns into Linwood goes down to Barry's Chapel, you know, up on top of the, I call it a mountain. Um, A deer leapt in front of my car, and I was literally practicing my my Wednesday night talk out loud. It was on a Wednesday. And a deer decided to derail my plans, and I said, "Mm mm-mm, devil, devil deer. Um, No, I'm going to go do this anyway. And I was shaking up. My car was bashed up. And um, so, anyway, so... I'm just glad I didn't hit a deer on the way here. Yeah. Day's not over yet. Yeah. <laughs> it might come bounding through the window. We don't know. Um, I have um, anxiety and depression and have dealt with that for many, many years. I think in looking back, um, I think it has always been there. Um, I was, you know, the, I was the youngest kid. I've got two older brothers. Um, I think that lends you to kind of being the... A, pleaser, performer, happy, happy kind of person, Um, and that's just kind of what I did. I was the smart kid, um, you know, or people thought that I was, I guess. It's all relative. Yeah. You know, you have two brothers, you look really smart. Um, (laughs) Worked for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not a kid. And, you know, I I guess as we all do, we kind of fall into that role, and we accept that role, and we, we just fall into the script and do what we're supposed to do, and I've you know, I've always felt um, very different with my emotions. I've, I've had, had these emotions as a child, you don't know what to do with them, or, or as a teenager even, you don't know fully what to do with them. When I was 17, I was, you know, kind of officially diagnosed with that. So I've dealt with it for, um, when I was 17, so it means I've dealt with it for five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, I'm 39, that was a joke. Um, so I, I don't know, do the math, 22 years, but it's been a long time. And it's been up and down um, through the years. Um, Dory and I had a hard time trying to figure out what exactly we were going to focus on with this because, not trying to be funny, but I could literally talk about it all day long, um, the ups and downs, highs and lows, and all these things. Um, my family has always been incredibly supportive. Um, obviously, mom's here, dad. Um, Dad's not here. I meant mom and dad are both supportive. Um, you know, my husband is incredibly supportive. He's always, you know, it, it hasn't been for lack of support, but um, that doesn't cure it. It's still here. So um, I've been on medication and have done um, counseling, which, yes, counseling, the best. Um, and we have a great counseling center here, by the way. If you have, haven't used it and if you need to talk to somebody, Top notch. I mean, and I've seen I've seen a few counselors, so you can trust my judgment. Those guys are guys and gals are right up there with everybody that I've ever seen. So please do that. Um, anyway, ups and downs through life. Um, had Colin eight you know eight years ago. I think the postpartum depression was a whole different layer. Um, working mom, mom guilt, mom stress, whole different layer to to what was already there. So we just took it to different levels. Um, and I think that through all of this, now that I look back, um, I realized that I was still carrying that role, you know, 
the happy, happy-go-lucky, funny, ha-ha, high-achiever attorney. I can do this. I can do all things, right? You know, I, you know, I can do everything, um, and put it on Pinterest. Um, you know, <laughs> boom. So you can do it too. Yeah, birthday party that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, I can do all things. I can be all things. You know, no worries, no problems. Keep it up. And I think in, you know, we moved here in 2013, and in a weird way, that was, like, I was excited to be here. We, we lived here in 2003 when I was finishing up law school, and then my family is all from Middle Tennessee, so this has always, always been the plan. I was really excited to be here, but at the same time, it was a complete, um, it was a loss of identity for me. I had built an identity. I had built a... A support system. Those were the people that I had my my kids with were in, in Jackson, Tennessee, and um, I felt alone and just uh, just stripped of my identity of the things that I knew. And so, you know, just kind of rebuilding, going through that process was a whole other um, um, process. We'll just call it that. And it was difficult because. When you deal with anxiety and depression, you, <clears throat> you, um, you know the the things that you tell yourself. Obviously, some of them are, are entirely not true, but it makes it really difficult to to make friends sometimes or to be a friend. Um, some of my, I mean, I'm obviously super open with this, but and some of my peeps know like if if we're at a thing and you look up and I'm gone, like it's all good. I I just had to bolt. You know, it's all good. I'm fine. You know. People text me, say, hey, are you okay? All good. Yeah, I'm good. I just, it was just too people-y. Um, you know, and sometimes I just need to leave. Um, you know, so I just have to be be real with people now, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so when we moved back, uh, or we, when we moved here, um, I think I was still trying to fit myself into that box, into that um, working mom, attorney, um, balancing everything, doing everything, being everything, and I was exhausted. And, and what both of you guys have shared earlier, just about just being empty. I was so empty. And um, had, had tried to, you know, do a few things, and um, I, again, I could talk about this for hours and hours, but I'm just going to fast forward. Last year was particularly difficult for me. Um, I had had bounced around with a, a couple of temporary jobs and had found a job that was on paper it was a dream come true. You know, it was you know, it was as if God had parted the clouds and says, you know, and on the eighth day, here's your job. You know, um, about two weeks in, I knew that that it was not. Um, it was um, it was just not not a good fit. And I kept on thinking, if, if I could just be normal, this would work. You know, this is, this is me. Um, if I could just, just be normal, I'd be okay. I could make this work. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push myself into this hole, push myself into this box. It's going to be awesome. And it was not awesome. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to do that. Well, you you yeah. know that was a I got lie. something in my eye. Yeah. Did you see that bug that flew in my eye? I did. Get that. So like a hornet. Get it out. Ooh. Okay. 
It's allergies. No, no. Allergies too. Um, anyway, it was. Uh, it wasn't so much like trying to force a, um, you know, the square peg into the round hole. It was like um, trying to force a uh, rainbow dodecahedron into the eye of a needle. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't going to work. And again, I just kept thinking, if I could just be normal, I could make this work. And um, I was, I was so terrified to tell even my husband that I was having these feelings because, you know, for the first time in, in several years, we had gotten to a good place financially. Um, emotionally, I seemed a lot better. You know, it's like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and it's going to be awesome. It was not awesome. Um, I wasn't seeing my kids. Um, I don't, I, I get all weird talking. Okay. Um, I don't remember anything of my son's first grade year. I wasn't there. And um, that was not, not awesome. Um, I wasn't seeing my kids. I was working. I was putting unrealistic expectations on myself. And um, it was just not good. And um, through a series of events, which were not my my doing, um, I was delivered from that situation. And um, that was that. And so, um, again, what now? You know? And so, I... I felt all the feelings again. Here we go again. And um, I, I did the only thing I knew to do. I, I reached out to the people that, that loved me. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I've made her cry. Um, I reached out to the people that loved me, even though I was ashamed. And um, ooh, I did that weird throat thing. Um, I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to sing, y'all. Um, y'all know that song, "Dance to the Groove." Yeah. Okay. Um, I was I was ashamed, but praise God that people like Jennifer Pagel were in my life, where I could just go and say, "Girl, I am a mess," you know. And um, she told me about a job at church that was op you know opening up, and I was like. I don't, I don't know what we're going to church. Um, she and I talk. Sometimes dirty words come out of our mouth. I'm sorry. And we were both. Tell my mom that. She, I've heard her. I've heard her do it. I have, like yesterday. I'm serious. But it's okay, because y'all done it too. You act like you haven't, but I know, yeah. But but she was like, I can't work at a church. Like, I mean, what if, what if one of those pops out? It's like, well, I think. I think pretty much, you know, it pops out, pops out. It's going to be okay. They're not the real so. bad words. No. Well, well I mean, they're okay. mediocre words. Okay, anyway. Girl. Anyway. Yeah. So I was like, I, I don't know about working at a church. And I really love going to church here. And I know that sometimes when you... I, I worked at, at a, a Christian university. And I know that sometimes when you work on the back end, you, you see things a different way. And, and you can't really unsee those things <laughs> like like going to see hot dogs being made or something <laughs> like, if you ever go to the hot dog factory you will never eat another hot dog <laughs> um, you know what I mean 
So I was afraid. I was, you know, and I was like, oh my goodness. And then, you know, I've got friends who were, you know, um, anyway, long story short, um, last August I started working here and then I, I reached out to Scott and he was like, hey, we got an extra desk, come on up here. And so that was all great. So then um, back in uh, September, I knew that, that winter was coming, and I don't mean in a Game of Thrones kind of way, which I don't watch, because it's filth. I just said that, didn't She doesn't lie either. Go ahead. Anyway, um, I knew that winter was coming. Winter is particularly hard for me, hard for people with anxiety and depression. All the darkness gets started at like 3.30 in the afternoon. You, you're driving to work in the dark. You're coming home, and it's just awful. I don't like it. It's not the cold. It's the dark. And so I knew that was coming, and I thought, oh, what, what am I going to do? Um, so I started, again, I could talk about this for hours and hours, but I randomly started painting on some pallet wood, um, and people started buying it, which was kind of weird. Um, like, okay. Um, so that was fun. But then I just kept having this stirring, like, that's all great and fine, Betsy. Paint, paint all you want, sister. But you gotta do something with your junk too. Like, you can't hide behind the pallet wood. And so I, I decided that I was going to, if I'm gonna have to deal with this junk that I deal with, I'm gonna mix some Jesus in there. And so I started, if I knew who the thing was going to, I would just pray over them while I painted the thing. If I didn't know who it was going to, I'd still pray, you know, for the recipient or whatever. And I started putting a little card on the back of it. Just kind of telling my story and just saying, you know, if you here's what I deal with and here's I painted this. Thanks for buying it. Um, and if you deal with this, you know, here's my phone number. That was a little weird. <laughs> um, and every time I gave it to somebody, I just immediately wanted to throw up. You know, like I shouldn't have done that. I, sh I shouldn't have done that. Every single time, those have gone out. I've gotten people saying, thank you. I thought I was alone. I thought nobody else felt this way. I thought nobody else would understand. And I'm still wanting to throw up. But I'm like, yes. You know, yes. Um, so anyway, fast forward to, um, I guess, around February of this year. Um, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I mean, like, the book Daring Greatly changed my entire life um, but um, one of her quotes that's always stood out to me is Jennifer and I talked about this years ago um, and actually C.S. Lewis said um, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another what you too I thought I was the only one and then she Brene Brown says empathy is the antidote to shame, the two most powerful words when we're in a struggle. And I would think it would be, I love you, or can I do anything for you? Mm -mm. It's me too. When you're struggling, if somebody says me too, <laughs> game changer, guys. Game changer. And that's always stuck with me. And I just want to be a me too to people. I don't want to hide. I don't want to, I don't want to feel shame. I want to be somebody's me too, because I've been there. And so I, again, went to Jennifer one day. I just wanted to have lunch with her, and she bought me a chicken salad, and I've eaten about 
50 of those since, you know, the strawberry chicken. Daily dish. Oh, oh so man. good. Anyway, so good. Um, and we ate, and that's when, when um, we were talking, I was telling her about my paintings and all the stuff that I wanted to do, and I don't know what to do, and, I'm, and um, she said, there's somebody you need to meet. And so we did. <laughs> so I'll let you do it, and then I'm going to wrap up the end after you get done. Okay. Um, I think she's referring to me when she met. I'm just. It guessing. was Dory. <laughs> Dory Hubbard. Yeah, it was me. Um, basically, I mean, and, and I, I'm, first of all, everybody up here, well, not every. I don't know if Dana did or not. I don't know, but like, you've got a few little notes, and you had a lot of notes, and um, I'm not, I don't have notes uh, ever for anything. And if you know me, you know I'm not lying. Everything's just off the cuff, so here I am. Uh, this may not make a lick of sense, I'm sorry. Um, basically, in a nutshell, and I'll just give you a little history, uh, I am the last of five children. My mother is 92 years old. She is a machine. She looks uh, about my age. It's embarrassing. She can do anything that I can do, but better, I think. Um, she raised all of us with my precious precious daddy and growing up I just used to feel sorry for all my friends because they didn't have my parents and they didn't have my brothers and sisters and I truly I mean I, I would I remember waking up on Christmas morning going oh bless their home thing. they're at their house <laughs> stinks man it's so awesome here um, my life was easy uh, Everything came pretty easily to me. Um, if there was something going on at school and I wanted to do it, somehow I was able to do it. Uh, if I wanted to play a certain sport, I was able to play it. Uh, I didn't have trouble with friends. I kind of liked everybody, and if people didn't like me, they, they sort of kept it to themselves because I didn't know about it. Uh, you know, uh, it, uh, it was easy. Um, college was easy. It was, I just didn't have any problems. And then my dad got sick when I was a sophomore in college, and my mind was blown, as I mean, anybody's would be, and we went through that for 12 years. He, he had cancer, and it metastasized from a lymph node to the lung, to the lung, to the bone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the day that he died, something clicked in my brain. Um, he dealt with depression his whole life. He was one of eight children, and they all dealt with severe depression. Um, my oldest brother um, dealt with depression, and he killed himself. Oh, that was a, whew, <laughs> you talk about a slam, that's a slam. Um, my, my big world was falling apart, and I was really confused, because it was like, excuse me, but um, I guess you've forgotten, I'm, my name's, I'm Dory. So if you could clean this mess up, that'd be awesome. That, I did not think my life would ever be like that. Uh, but it, it, it did. And I used to watch my brother and my father and my other two brothers who dealt with depression, and I would think, what? I mean, good grief, what is the problem? Just get up and, as my mother would say, wash your face and brush your teeth. It's a beautiful day. That's how she is. I mean, she's still that way. I'm like, shut up. Really? She, she is a Pollyanna, and so I sort of leaned toward her. I was like, oh, your mother, great. 
And my dad, I would ask him to go hit tennis, and he, I could tell he didn't want to, he didn't feel like it, and I took it personally. I didn't understand. He, it was all he could do to, to have his head up. It was all he could do to not be in the bed. I get that now. I didn't get that then. Um, so it hit me one day, literally within a matter of seconds. I did not know what was happening to me. Um, I was married. I had a small child. Um, my husband is precious. And I went out in the road and laid down and hoped that something would come hit me because I felt like for some unknown reason, the world would just be a whole lot better off without me in it. And I know how weird that sounds because it sounds weird to me too. Um, and when I am not have dealing with depression and someone else is, it sounds weird to me too. Um, but then when I'm dealing with it, I don't want it to sound weird to you, but I know it does. Um, depression is a tricky, tricky thing. Uh, it's real easy to judge people who deal with depression because you can't see it and you can't give medicine for it. I'll never forget the day that I met you. And you said to me, she said, <laughs> y'all want to know what she said? <laughs> she said, I have a friend who has cancer and it is stage, I think, four. It's bad. And I'm jealous of her. And I knew exactly what she meant. I didn't have to ask her. I knew exactly what she meant. And I know for those of you, you're probably like, oh, these two girls are, that's just awful. She said, cancer has a face, has a name. Nobody judges you if you have cancer. There's treatment for cancer. People come help you. They understand you. They understand if you're not there because you're sick. And you can get better. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong. Cancer, and I'm not saying, I think you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying, darn, I wish I had cancer. That's not what I'm saying. But this thing has a stigma. It has a face of, woo, crazy girl. It has a face of weak. Um, and if you think that um, being depressed is weak, I got big fat news for you. You're dead wrong. Uh, I faked it till I made it for years and years. I'd walk right in here like I did everywhere else, and everybody would go, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, you know, I'm great. Oh, well, oh, your daughter's so cute. You know. And then I'd go home and sit in my closet and think, you're just a big piece of nothing. You're just a big, fat, fake, stupid piece of nothing. I just let the devil just talk to me anytime he wanted to. I mean, come on in. Follow me in the closet and you just talk my face off and I'll believe every word you say. Um, people in my life loved me, told me differently, but here's the thing about this. It doesn't matter what anybody else says to me. It makes no difference. You can tell me you hate me or tell me you love me. It doesn't matter. I get to choose how I process that and when you deal with depression, a lot of the times your processing is a little bit messed up. <laughs> You see things on the black side and the dark side, and you see things on the empty side, um, and, and the hopelessness fills you up where hope should be. And then you just keep faking until you think you might make it. 
So I was at home one day on a Saturday. My children were, it's been a few years. Uh, we'd been to five million soccer games that Saturday morning. Um, you know, um, it's just one of those things. Uh, good, good, good times. If you're doing that, enjoy it because it does stop and it's, it, that's a tough day. Um, I was vacuuming because I was a clean freak. Everything had to be clean and perfect and my world had to look good to everybody. And I loved having company, but Stuart didn't love it because I was a freak. Don't step on the rug. Did you use the toilet? And my kids like, I had to go to the bathroom. I'm like, well, go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're like, there are three others. I'm like, I know, but that, they might use that one. I mean, I was nuts because I wanted my world to look perfect to everybody. So I'm vacuuming after the ball game, which is, I'm sure, the only mother of the stupid rug. And all of a sudden, something happened. Click. And I cleared every table in our house. My children were not at home, but I did not know that. That was a God thing. I didn't know where they were at that moment. I didn't know where anybody was. I didn't care. I cleared all the tables, and I went for the knife drawer in my kitchen because I wanted to be gone. And it wasn't that I didn't, it was not that I didn't want to be here. It was that I just didn't know how I could. I was so miserable, and I, the feelings of the misery and hopelessness and helplessness and worthlessness were so strong that I couldn't bear it anymore. It was just like, get me out of this. I can't do it. And Stuart was home, and he blocked me, and I remember looking at him and saying, if you don't get out of my way, I will take you too. And as I say that to you, I know how it sounds. If I were sitting right there, I'd be going, holy cow, don't let your kids go over there. And I get it. I do. But it was a desperation. It was a call of, I can't do this. But I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Stuart called my brother. My brother came over. And my brother deals with a lot of stuff. I have three brothers. But this is my brother that's three years older than I am. We're very close. We're very tight. Um, he's been through a lot. And I've helped him through a lot. And we're very close. And... I was in my closet, <laughs> I like my closet, and I looked up and my brother was there, he was bawling, and he said, I can't believe I'm over here and it's my turn to try to help you. He said, we're taking you to Parthenon, and I'm like, well, good luck with that. So they dragged me out by my hands and my feet, and um, I made up some new dirty words, and I called them everything that I could think of because I could not get how horribly I felt out in language. So I just I just said everything bad I could think of. I was just trying to get some of this out of my system. They took me to Parthenon. I told Stuart, um, we'll divorce you as soon as I get out of here. So just keep that in mind. Good to see you. And I told my brother I hated him, and he wasn't my brother anymore. And this lady took me in the back. And she sat me down, and we were in this little bitty room, and there were two rusty chairs, like, you know, those aluminum, you know, those old chairs. And they were rusty, and they were kind of wobbly like this. And I sat down in one, and she said, do you want a sandwich? And I'm like, do you know what you can do with your sandwich? <laughs> so she left. The moment she shut the door, I mean, the door shut, boom. And right when she shut that door, I turned to that chair that was empty, and I just said out loud, oh, God, do not leave me in here by myself. 
I cannot be in here by myself. I'm scared to death. What have I done? I've been committed. <laughs> and I'm in here by myself. And I felt it. I felt this peace I've never felt in my life. It was a peace that I thought was only for other people. It was a peace that I thought I was not worthy of, that I would never get. It was almost like a relationship with God where, like a friend that you don't really like. <laughs> you don't think they really like you. You don't really have much in common, but you're supposed to kind of dig each other. So you're like, oh, she's my friend. But you don't really do. That's how I felt. I felt like God doesn't really like me. How could he? I'm a mess. I do nothing right. I'm a fake. I'm a fake. And I felt him in that room just going, I got gotcha. you. We'll do this. No worries. I was there forever. And when I came home, I had this silly uh, expectation that my life was going to be perfect now, that, you know, I'd been to treatment, so everything was going to be great, and whoo, that was awful. Lord have mercy, don't, don't do that. That's not life. This is life for everybody. It's taken me a long time to learn that. But I'll tell you this. I got home that day. I had not seen my three children in a long time. I felt very odd. I felt very awkward. I felt very embarrassed. I felt like a really crappy mother and a really crappy wife. And I didn't understand why I didn't have these bubbly like, oh, I'm here, everything's good, and I'm on the right medicine now. All right, you know, blah, blah, blah. And McClellan came home from school. She's a senior in high school. I'll never forget it. I've never felt any sicker to my stomach ever as I did when I heard that door open and I knew she was in the house and so was I. So I just called her over and I said, can I talk to you for just a minute? And she said yes. And we went in her room and she sat in her chair and I sat on her bed and I just said, I'm sorry. I love you. You are my child. And I put you down. But here's what I can't have. I can't have you treating me like I'm weak, because I'm not. One thing I learned in there, I'm darn freaking strong is what I am. You can't get through what I've been through and not be strong. And it's not because of me. I said, I love you. Don't treat me like I'm weak. I've had a glip on the radar. But I'm an oak tree for you. I will never bend. You are my child. And she looked at me like this, and I thought, oh, she's about to let me have it. She said, I'm not mad at you, Mom. I'm proud of you. I love you. And she tackled me. And she's not touchy-feely. She tackled me now when to literally really beat me up. <laughs> and she tackled me. And as I laid on my back with her on me, just hugging me, it hit me that that's what God does for every one of us. No matter how much I mess up, and I mess up pretty often, people, it doesn't matter. God knows my heart. My mama says it all the time. Don't worry, God knows your heart. I'll say, what if I did this or that? And she's like, God knows your heart. You don't have to explain anything to me. I've realized that we're all going to be in pain. That's just life, man. And if you don't think that, Bless your little heart. <laughs> it's a coming. And good times are coming. And bad times are coming. And days where you feel like you've knocked it out of the ballpark are coming. And days where you feel like, I mean, it was just a waste to get up because you didn't do anything worth a squat. 
Those are coming too. And that's all normal and that's all okay, whether you deal with depression or not. I used to be embarrassed that I deal with depression. I could care less who knows now because that is who I am. That is who I am, and I'm not going to beat myself up about it, and I don't want you to either if you deal with it because I know that even still today in 2017 here in Brentwood, Miss Facebook, do, 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 everybody's perfect. Everybody. No, they're not. But, boy, we have things in this life right now that make us feel like if you let them, Everybody's got it together but me. I'm the idiot over here. Hello. And everybody else has got it together. What's wrong with me? What's my problem? Well, my problem is I don't trust in God enough. I just trust in me. And I promise you, if you trust in you, oh, you're so doomed. Oh, my word. Because I've done it. I've tried to make it all good happen, so I, I took credit for the good things. Woo! Well, if you take credit for the good things, you're going to have to take credit for the bad things, too. After all this happened, I went and I was doing some substitute teaching at my daughter's school, Lipscomb, and there was a Bible class, and they asked me to sub in there, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it was an all-girls class. My daughter's in the class. I go in, and I turn. They start asking me a few questions, and I just turned to McClellan, and I said, you know, if you want to leave, you, you roll on out of here, girl, because I feel like I might bear shit here in just a second. And she said, I'm not going anywhere. So they just started asking me a lot of questions, and I told them my story. I told them. We said prayer, and uh, the next day, a friend of mine called me and said, did you teach a Bible class at Liscom yesterday? And I'm like, oh, oh, man. I said, yeah, I did. And she said, well, I thought you did because so-and-so, little girl in the class, her mother called me today and told me that you had spoken in class. And I'm thinking, well, can you get fired from subbing because we're fixing <laughs> To find that out. I'm pretty sure I won't get a severance or anything. Yeah, this is going to be really <laughs> She said her daughter came home and told her that she was thinking about killing herself. And you gave her permission to tell somebody. And she realized for the first time in years that she was not alone. God doesn't let you go through the junk because he thinks it's good for kicks. He doesn't allow you to go through the really hard times, and we all have, every single one of you could come up here and tell me a horror story. I know that. And we could all tell great stories too, happy stories. I thought that I was just going through this stuff because I, got, I, I drew a really bad hand. Luck of the draw, you know, my sister drew well and the rest of us just, <clears throat> uh, not true. Um, it is what it is, and I believe with all my heart that every single one of us has something that other people can learn from, that other people can have better lives for, that other people can stop sooner than I did, sooner than she did, realizing, heck yeah, I'm worth it. And it's not because I, anything I do is because God made me. That's the end. The end. <laughs> the end of my story. That's all I need to know. He's got me, and I believe that he expects me to take my junk and do something with it. And in order to do something with my junk, I got to get real with myself. You know, I'm like, my name is Dory, and I'm a 
manic depressive nutcase. I mean, I'm good with that. Hey, it takes all kinds. They're worse things. I'm not boring. I will tell you that. Um, you know, um, it, it is. It is what it is. And I'm not saying we don't all have things we need to work on. I'm not saying that at all. I work on this every day. I work on this every day. My mother has told me my whole life, whether you have depression or whatever else you have or don't have, you wake up every morning and then you get to make your first choice of the day. Am I going to do everything I can to make this a joyous day or am I just going to let this day suck? She doesn't say that. <laughs> Does she, Jessica? Yeah. My word, she slapped my, slapped my hand right now. She said, I cannot believe that was so vulgar. <laughs> but it's true. I don't care what your, what your I don't, it doesn't matter. You get to decide. Some days are harder than others. Some days joy is right there in your face. And some day you got to go look through the bushes and the sticks and the, you know, through the woods to find it. But it's there. It's there. I want everybody in here to know but I'm not telling you about this because I'm so thrilled that you know my story. I certainly don't mind that you know it, but it's not that I want to go, you know, get on the radio and go, everyone, I take Zoloft every day of my life. But I know that I can help somebody. Actually, I can't help. I can't do squat. But I know that God will use me to help somebody with this particular topic if I just open. All i got to do is open my mouth. You see, I have no problem with that. All I have to do is tell you. She and I sat, never met her in my life, and in five minutes, we were both like, me too, me too, me too, and me too, me too. You know, it was like, she gets me. She didn't have to tell me another thing. She gets me. I love her because she gets me. We all have to be gotten. Somebody has to get you for you to be able to move on. Don't sit in your closet like I did and just hope it goes away. It's not going to just go away. You got to do something with it. I am here. I will give you my phone number. You're all like, oh, heavens, no, no, thanks. <laughs> we'll call I'll you. Give it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we all, we are all in this together, and, and we all have stuff, and I just want you to know that it's worth going through if we can all do something to help other people. And as I said, God in heaven did not let me go through any of this stuff and then say, well, that was rough, wasn't it, Dory? Okay, well, see you later. It's like, all right, I pulled you through. What you going to do now? What you going to do? You're going to pull yourself up, and you're going to go help somebody, or you're going to sit in your mess? Because I've done it both ways. And I will tell you, sitting in my mess was uh, not fun for anybody. Okay? We are all in this together. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you weigh. Oh, thank goodness. I don't care what y'all weigh. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you were homecoming queen in high school. Don't care. Don't care what kind of car you drive. Do not care. I don't care if you don't have a car. So what? I don't care. Who cares? We are all in this together. We are all women. We've all had a lot of similar stories, and then some of us have varied stories. That's all great. We fight each other. 
You know we do. You know you look on Facebook and go, oh my gosh, this girl got another car. I mean, what is her problem? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> right? Or you look on there and somebody's lost something and you think, oh, bless her heart. Well, that wasn't me. <laughs> really? Let's just help each other. Let's just, let's, after, after the storm, let's help each other. That's all I'm saying. Another Brene Brown quote that is one of my favorites, and I actually forgot who said it when I quoted it to both of these girls in the past few days, and then I looked it up, and it was like, oh, Brene Brown again. Anyway, um, she says, when we deny the story, it defines us. When we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. And Dory and I are trying to write brave new endings for, for our life. Um, I want to own my junk and define it for other people and say you don't have to live alone you don't have to be ashamed um, I'm not going to let depression and anxiety define the ending of my life like it has for so many people 